Have you ever failed at anything? I have failed at a stack of stuff on my lo- in my life. And I can remember a long, long time ago where my failures had mounted up to such a, such a place uh, that I felt so lost. I felt like there was just no answer to my life. And then I found uh, somebody who had the courage to tell me about Jesus. And um, I am so thankful that all those years ago I met him And he helped me deal with my failures in my life. He continues to help me in my life. He continues to help me even now when I make mistakes. That he's here to help. You know, God is not some kind of theory or some kind of distant being. God is very real. And there was a very strong presence of him this morning here in the worship. So if you're new here, if you've never felt it before... That sense or that feeling was actually just God revealing himself. Uh, you may have noticed some of us lift our hands up like that. Um, we're not doing Hail Hitler. What we're doing is we're just lifting our hands to God and saying, Hey God, I lift my hands to you and I surrender my life to you. I worship you. So if you see that going on, that's what it is. All good. When you become a Christian, it doesn't mean to say you're not going to have problems and troubles. What it does mean, though, is that you have a supernatural hand that can help you through the challenges life brings. Um, You will be the sum of your thoughts that are going on now and into the future. You will become whatever you're thinking. The Bible, the book of Proverbs tells us that um, as a man thinks in his heart, so he will become. Now, a lot of modern um, psychology, counseling, tends to want to blame shift. It tends to want to say, well, I have these problems in my life. I am the way I am because this happened to me or that happened to me or so-and-so treated me like this or, you know, whatever. And yes, circumstances affect us. However, how you choose to react to those circumstances that come your way, how you choose to react to the troubles that come your way, your choices have made you who you are today. The Word of God is uh, about us realizing and taking responsibility for our choices and uh, recognizing when we make mistakes, recognizing when we make, uh, you know, when we fail at stuff. It's not to condemn you, rather to pinpoint the problem in order for you to move past the problem. And I pray this morning, Lord, for each person that is here, that there would come a revelation, a new understanding, a new sense of the power of their minds, of our minds, that uh, our thinking is critical to our future. Help us to understand it this morning, Lord, and help us to understand the wonderful truths that we can bring into our mind to transform us, and to give us the future you've promised us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus began his his ministry with this funny thing. Before I was a Christian, um, I had a concept of Christianity. I had a thinking of Christianity, of what God was, and and, you know, um, of what God people were, because my thinking had been affected by the media, by the... the, um, worldview of the day, and I had this perception of what I thought Christianity was, and I had a perception of a particular word that Jesus uses here, and it is this word where he said, from 
This is Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach. I knew Christians preached. I'd heard something about the name of Jesus. And then I heard this word that Jesus had said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I had a perception that repent meant some crazy dude carrying a sign, telling me how bad I was, and telling me that I needed to change my life, but really gave me no tools to do it. I, I didn't really want to have a part of that kind of language. I didn't want to be a part of what I thought were hypocrites. Because my mind had a perception of this particular word, repent. And there are Christians even today that have an, a concept of what the, they think this word means. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at what actually the word repent means. Repent means this, to change one's life based on a complete change of attitude and thinking concerning what sin is and righteousness, to think differently in order to change who you are. So when Jesus said, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand, what he was saying was this, hey, Heaven has come down to earth. God's kingdom has come and is right near you right now. And the way you can access it is this, is to turn away from the way you've been thinking in the past because the way you've been thinking in the past has made you who you are now and turn around and change how you think in order to change the outside of who you are via embracing the kingdom of heaven. Does that make sense? Uh, Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is a good and acceptable will of God for your life. So again, here's this thing about don't conform to how the world thinks. Don't, don't think how they think. Transform yourself by renewing inside your head how you think in order to transform you through what God says. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. So repent means just change how you're thinking through embracing what God says. If you hear someone using the word repent to condemn you and make you feel bad, and that's where they leave you, that's not God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So here's God. He hasn't given you, the world is full of fear. The way the world thinks, there's so much fear about the environment. There's so much fear about the future. There's so much fear about the financial situation of the world. There's so much fear going on. It's contaminated. The world is contaminated with anxiety. Statistics tell us that Australia has a rampant disease called mental health disorders. And one of the basic largest portions of that is a thing called anxiety, worry, fear. But the scripture, again, remember the kingdom of heaven. Don't think like that. The kingdom of heaven and God is not here to give you that anxiety or that fear. He's here to give you power, love, acceptance, and a thing called a sound mind. A sound mind basically means a disciplined mind. A mind that is disciplined a mind that is not all over the place and full of chaos and, and craziness. 
and unfettered thoughts, rather a mind that is focused, disciplined, and going somewhere. Hallelujah. If you are a Christian, you are meant to be going somewhere. You are not meant to be full of fear and anxiety. That's a product of the way the world is. Hallelujah. Transformed mind. We also looked at um, the scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, Dale, Dale, stand up. Dale's a good man. He just said, Dale, will you do me a favor? How many people think Dale looks better shaven than Harry? See, he's walking, right? Walk around, walk around and go back to your seat, just as an illustration. <laughs> he actually asked me to do that because he's trying to find a wife. Aww. No, I'm lying. He didn't say that. Anyway, we walk with physical things. We have legs, we have hands, and we walk in a physical manner. We live in a physical world, but there is a higher realm than that physical world. You're not just meat. You're not just a product of the Big Bang Theory. You're not just a product of chemicals. There is more to you than just flesh. You are a spiritual being. The world's trying to tell us we are just a result of chemicals. Friend, you're not. You're bigger than that. Hallelujah. The Bible actually says you've been made in the likeness or image of God. You're not God, but there are attributes of you that are like God. Hallelujah. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. This is not a fleshly battle, that this thing that's going on in your head. It's not just about chemicals in your head. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, but are bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of God. Of Christ, So it's kind of saying, hey man, you're not, you're not just a physical, chemical thing. You're a spiritual being. And there are things inside your head that are, uh, have a stronghold on the way you think that are holding you back. There are thoughts that you have taken from when you were born and, and gathered, uh, formed. You know, they tell us that from the age, whatever it is, to naught to five, a lot of who you are uh, has already been formed. And um, one of the things when I've been looking at and studying this whole mental health aspect, I am not a counselor, I'm not a mental health worker, I am a preacher of the gospel. But information is very interesting. And one of the things they say about Australian people who have been diagnosed with a mental disorder, and it's a massive amount of the population, um, they trace the majority of it back to their childhood. Hallelujah. And see... This scripture is about learning to get rid of the stuff that has been put in you that is damaging to you, that causes the things like anxiety, fear, whatever. So there are powerful weapons that God has given you, spiritual weapons that you can use to pull down or throw out these things that are damaging you, that are causing you to think the wrong way. Hallelujah. Can I have an amen? Do we understand that? Hallelujah. Me, all those years ago, 
when I met Christ. Remember, I had this idea of what I thought Christianity was. I had this idea of what I thought Jesus was. Man, I was wrong. I had a wrong understanding, and I had been lied to by the world and the spiritual forces behind that that were trying to tell me a lie about who Christ was. But as I have learnt to leave behind that kind of thinking, to pull down the thoughts that have been planted in my mind from that past and bring into my mind the thinking of what God says about who I am and who he is, my life has been transformed and I've been able to leave behind those things that have held me back and caused my life to be a failure. Anybody else witness with that? But I'm still on the journey of throwing some stuff out in my thought patterns and putting more of God's good stuff in my thinking. Hallelujah. You are who you are, man. And you can change who you are, not by blaming everybody else, but by facing up to your failures and embracing what God says. So that's the basis of how you renew your mind. Hallelujah. Okay. Last week we looked at the fact that it says this. Okay, let me read it. For the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds are things that have a stronghold on your mind that are holding you back. So, holding you back. So strongholds can be pulled down, right? Then it says this. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So the knowledge of God is who is God? Why did he come? Who am I meant to be? Well, man, I've been created in the, in the image of God. I have attributes like God. Uh, Jesus said and told me that I'm going heading towards a life of abundant life and, and uh, blessing. And it doesn't mean to say that I'm not going to have problems, but I can get through my problems because of what Jesus says I am. So hallelujah. That's the argument that the kingdom of heaven presents to you. Because in your head, there are two types of arguments that go on. There's the argument of conforming to what the world says and the pressures of the world and all the crazy chaoticness of the world. That's an argument that goes on inside your head even if you're a, a, if you're a Christian. You still have some of that trying to argue a case. Well, you're useless, you're a failure, you're nothing, you're whatever. You know, you should be fearful. That's an argument that takes place in your head. But on the other side, there's the other argument of who God says you are. You, you with me? Yeah. Hallelujah. So in your head, there are two opinions at work that are arguing for, to make a decision. They're arguing to say who's going to rule over the choices that you make. If you're a Christian, the theory is you need to let the argument for the kingdom of God reign over the argument that the world's trying to put upon you. How many people love being worried, worried and anxiety, having anxiety and full of fear? Who loves it? I don't. And I have learnt that when I feel anxiety and when I feel fear and the arguments going on my, inside my head that's trying to make me feel that way because of a particular type of thinking, when I combat it with the argument that Jesus said, I don't need to worry, 
He told me that I don't need to worry and that I can pray to him and call out to him. And he tells me when I call out to him and pray and thank him, he says that he gives me peace. And I don't know how many times in my life when I'm having that thing going on, that when I allow God's opinion to reign, the fear, the anxiety, the worry leaves. And I get peace. So can we put up Proverbs chapter 24, 33 to 34. Now Proverbs, you've got to understand about the book of Proverbs. Proverbs was written basically mostly by a guy named Solomon. Solomon was a king of Israel who was one of the most successful, wealthiest kings in the nation of Israel. Pre-Christ. And Solomon as a king would rule over decisions that were complicated decisions for the kingdom and for people in the kingdom. And one day God had said to him, Solomon, because you're doing so well, I'll give you whatever you want and, and wealth or whatever. And Solomon chose and said, God, give me wisdom. So Solomon and the writings in the book of Proverbs are a result of a man's search of wisdom that he gathered from God and also that when he was problem solving, because solving, what would happen in, back in that day, all over the kingdom, problems would be brought to him as the king, and he was meant to give the solutions to the problems. And Proverbs was written as a result of dealing with the problems of life of a kingdom and all the people, and he wrote Proverbs out of that. Hallelujah. So when you read Proverbs, you've got to understand behind why he said it. It's not just words. It's a man writing from life's experience. Hallelujah. Proverbs 24, 30 to 34. And I want to use this as an illustration about what goes on in our heads or can go on in our heads. I went by the field of a lazy man. And by the vineyard of a man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. And when I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. Verse 33, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. So here's the thing. Here's two types of, of occupations, of opportunity. You have two men. One has a field. And the field was meant to be a field that could cultivate a massive harvest, a field, and, and, and what, what it was meant to do was meant to provide and to be productive. And here's the guy with the field, and he's lazy. One guy. And on the other side of the equation, or the second story, or the second illustration, is of a man who has a vineyard. So two types of people. You've got a lazy fella who has opportunity with a field that's meant to be productive, and then you have another person who has a different kind of opportunity because he's got a vineyard, but both end with the same result. Really interesting. Two problems. Now, this is what I'm talking about in your head. So you've got a lazy person, 
And the other person is a person who it says who is devoid or void of understanding. So what's a lazy person? See, note, they both have opportunity. They both have different problems in their lives or, or weaknesses, but both produce the same results. What, what are the results? Instead of a highly productive vineyard or a highly productive field, um, we see that it was all overgrown with thorns and its surface was covered with nettles uh, and its stone wall was broken down. Both produced a field or a vineyard that had the walls were broken down, the fences were broken down, the area of protection to protect whatever that was meant to be producing had fallen down, and rather than having massive uh, crops growing or, or big fat grapes or whatever, there was uh, nettles. Now, nettles basically means weeds that grow low and cover the productive ground. That's what a nettle is. It's a weed that grows low and stops the ground that's meant to be producing and takes all the goodness. Hallelujah. And then you have the thorns. Now the thorns are, mate, Ozzy has bindies. Man, baby. I, I use that illustration about when, when I'm wearing my Crocs. And uh, I didn't realize bindies go through Crocs. I've learned that experience when I was mowing the lawns. Not good. But anyway, when it talks about the thorns, it's the same thing. It's weeds, but it's a different kind of weed. It's a weed that doesn't grow low and cover the ground. It's a weed that grows high and produces prickly things. Hallelujah. Interesting when you think about some people that you meet, and it's kind of like they can be pretty darn prickly. You ever met prickly people? The thing about prickly people is when you meet them, if you get too close, it's going, you're going to get hurt. Interesting thought. Anyway, the lazy guy knew what he should have been doing. He just couldn't be bothered. The lazy guy was the guy that just sits there and, and just watched the weeds grow and watched you know, the, the nettles and the thorns. He just sat back. And even though his field should have been productive, he just sat back and just let it all grow because he just couldn't be bothered. He would rather sit on his bottom and do nothing than turn that land into something that was meant to be productive. That's what a lazy person is. Now, I know in my life, I've had times when I have been lazy spiritually and I've just sat back and I've even watched those weeds grow in my head. Lazy person is a person who knows what they should do but just doesn't bother. But I don't want to talk about the lazy guy this morning. I want to talk about the other fella. It says of the guy who grew the vineyard, it said that he was, am I getting anywhere with you? The lazy, the lazy guy there, yeah, we get that one. Being lazy, I know what that means. But the guy who was void of understanding. Now he's an interesting character. Because he lacked a thing called understanding. The word void means basically to lack or not have. So he lacked 
something that was incredibly important, a thing called understanding. There are places in your life where you would lack understanding. Anybody here a, neurolo a neurologist? Anybody here? Um, oh, we have a doctor of chemistry over there. Uh, Dan, Dan can talk about some stuff that I don't get. See, here's a man who's trying to grow a vineyard that has a problem with understanding what's happening around him. He sees that in his vineyard that rather than, where's my grapes? He's like, where's my grapes? But he, he sees that he has this problem with not growing grapes, uh, but he doesn't understand how to get out of it. He doesn't understand how come the weeds are covering the ground. He doesn't understand how come the thorns are attacking and just taking over the vineyard. He, don't, he doesn't understand. He sees his problem, but he doesn't understand the why or how to get out of it. And man, we see the problems going on around our life. We can see that man, instead of having this great life that I should be having and producing the grapes that I'm meant to produce with my life, that around my life is just weeds and thorns. And we can be like that man sometimes and see the problem, but not understand the why. You with me? Anybody here like that? We got one. Two, three, four. Be honest with all of you. See, the Bible and the Word of God is the means and the way we gather understanding. You with me? Hallelujah. I've talked a couple of weeks about, about the broken wall thing. What is a weed? What's a weed? What was that? Yeah, yeah. Who's a gardener? I know there's a bunch of you. How do you tell a good gardener? By a garden that's producing whatever it was planted to produce. How do you know a bad gardener? Weeds. Weeds are a problem for people who know the potential of their garden. Weeds are a problem if you're a good gardener, that you know that if you don't deal with those weeds, that your garden is not going to do what it's meant to do. Now, funny thing, we'd been away, we were away, and then we came back, and then we got crook, and then we had to go to the Gold Coast, and we got back, and we have a garden at home that, that we love. Because we've been so busy uh, doing whatever, and then we got crook, and I couldn't be bothered, a little bit lazy, go and do my garden... I went down and had a look, and my God, those weeds had overtaken the plants that we planted. And the weeds, now the plants were still there, but the weeds had overtaken and were taking over the ground that was meant to be productive. And see, that's like your mind, friends. See, that's like the mind that you carry that can have this argument of two opinions, the world and God's. And there are weeds that can get sown that begin to take the ground that the Word of God has meant to take. And see, a person who has understanding realizes what weeds can do. The vineyard dude 
lacked the simple understanding that step one was just get rid of those weeds, man. Build that wall that's protecting your vineyard. But he was so disempowered because he didn't understand. Understanding is incredibly important. The word understanding means... Oh, let me give you some scriptures first. Can I have an amen if I'm going down the right road? Psalm 53 verse 2. See, the Bible has a consistent message. There are cults and things that arise because people take one scripture and they make some truth that is not consistent. You've got to check for consistency with the word of God. Psalm 53 verse 2 says, God has looked down from heaven upon the, uh, upon the sons of men to see if there is anyone who understands who seeks after God. See, God is looking for people who have this quality of understanding. He's looking for them. He's searching for them because he knows when he finds someone who has understanding, he's found someone that he can use to help change the world around them. He's found someone that understands that their life can be way more than what they are, that their life can change the planet and bring so much hope to a world that badly needs it because they understand. A lot of Christians don't understand who they are. A lot of Christians get overwhelmed by their lives. They get overwhelmed and they, they get trapped because they, they don't even understand who God is and who they are because of who he is. They lack understanding. God is looking for people who understand. Hosea 4.6 My people are destroyed for lack of money. My people are destroyed because they're too dumb. Understanding. My people are destroyed because they lack. The word knowledge is exactly the same word as understanding. How much destruction is going on in your life, in your nong, in your head? How much anxiety or fear or whatever or stupid stuff is going on because you just simply are like that man with the field, or the vineyard, sorry, who had so much potential, but he just didn't understand. How much destruction is going on in your life right now? How much problem and, and weight are you carrying? Because that's you up there, here. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist. <laughs> but I know the simple basics of gardening, that unless I pull the weeds out of my garden, the weeds will overtake it. And I have learnt on my journey of faith that I can have faith and I can have love, but if I don't deal to the weeds in my mind, they will choke and steal the fruitfulness of what my life is meant to be. And what do you do with a weed? You pull it out. You don't sit back like the lazy dude and just watch the weeds grow. You don't, you're not meant to sit there and watch the weeds grow and lack the understanding of what they're going to do to you. And that's why that Ephesian scripture that we talked about, about casting down and pulling down. Friends, you are meant to have authority over your mind and your thoughts. 
Because remember, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a disciplined, a mind that actively recognizes the danger of weeds, things that are contrary to what God says, and you pull them out. You just pull them out. You know what I do? I go, Jesus, if it's about provision, I go, Jesus, you said that you will provide for all my needs and everything that we do. Jesus, you said, he, uh, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto me. And then when I look at the liar where the devil's trying to tell me something and I see it, I just get it out of my head. I said, I cast you out of my thinking in the name of Jesus Christ. And it blinking words. Hallelujah. Can we close our eyes? Father, we are so, so, so thankful that you have given us all life. You gave us breath. You made us. And in fact, you made us in your image. And you want our lives to be highly productive and live and enjoy what it is to be living on the planet Earth. And God, you made a way and you've supplied your word, which is how you built the universe. And I pray, God, for each of us here today. God, that we would not be like the lazy fella who just watched those weeds grow. But Lord, even more so, Father, let us be the people that understand, that we understand who you are, what we are because of who you are, and what we can do with our lives. And Father, that each of us that are here today would look to find those weeds and pull them out of our mind and our thinking in the name of Jesus.